Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We got Chris Miles on with us, and and Chris has his own podcast, so check that out. But you can find everything at themoneyripples.com. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. So head over to reimastermind.net for that. Um, but uh, really appreciate your time, Chris, and looking forward to dive into this, especially that you've been able to essentially retire twice over. And it's kind of a funny or interesting story, I should say, regarding how that came about. Yeah, for sure. That's what happens when you screw up. You got to do it a second time, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's very true. So why don't we t- learn from that? Like what what, uh, what happened there? Yeah. So this is kind of a brief story of my background. Uh, 20 years ago, I actually started as a financial advisor, like the mainstream salesman in, in a suit, kind of crappy financial advisor you hear about, right? Selling you mutual funds and all that kind of stuff. Did that for four years. After four years, realized it wasn't working. I realized that clients weren't becoming financially free. Uh, my big epiphany, it was just like yesterday, was uh, when my friend Doug, who left being a financial advisor, went to go do active real estate investing, right? He, he, uh, you know, I, I reached out to him to wish him Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to see how he was doing. And he's like, man, life is awesome. My dad and I have partnered on some deals and we've already doubled his income as a professor at the local university. I said, come on, that's too good to be true, right? There's no way he could have done that in four or five months. I said, man, we're doing it. And so we got this debate about what's better, stocks or real estate. And finally, he just said, Chris, how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? I said, well, I don't know. Even the retired ones, they still worry about money because they watch CNN. If you watch CNN, you worry about everything. So no, I mean, they're, they're all, I would say, not financially free that way. He said, well, good job, Chris. Way to go. He's like, well, how about this? How many of you, how many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, right? but actually doing the investments and able to be able to retire. And I thought about even the guys that have been in the business longer than me, guys that have been doing it since the late seventies, and even they couldn't be financially free. And, he's, and I said, well, none. He said, well, there's your problem. Well, like, well give me the answer then. He's like, I'm not gonna give you the answer because you just got done arguing with me that stocks are better. And I said, listen, I'm open, give me something. And so he said, listen, if you're really serious, Go read this book, Who Took My Money by Robert Kiyosaki, kind of a lesser known rich dad book. Save you the, save you the read. It's uh, Mutual Funds Suck. That's pretty much the, t- the title, what it should be. And, and then he said, go listen to these, these real estate investors on a, on a local radio show. And I did. And I, and I started to, to pick up on that. And a few months later, I, I couldn't be in integrity and keep teaching what I was doing anymore because I realized he's right. Why would I keep teaching something that doesn't work? Why would I teach something that doesn't give anybody any financial hope? And so I quit. I said, I'll never be a financial advisor again. I will just go be a mortgage broker because it's 2006 and, uh, and go teach ballroom dancing at the local college. And so I did. But I want to know what they knew. Right. And I started to pick up on some of those things. And by about six months later, I was able to be financially independent myself where I had enough cash flow and passive income coming in. I didn't have to really work. And it was weird because I was almost 29. And it was almost like it was so easy. But of course, the recession kicked my butt. Um, I started getting a little bit you know, too big for my britches, right? I was uh, a little bit more arrogant because I thought, hey, everything I touch turns to gold. It's that Midas touch. 
And, uh, and instead it reversed it, it backfired on me. And, uh, you know, I started digging my hole in debt, especially after launching a new company and everything. Like we, you know, I was in the hole of $16,000 a month. And so the very thing that actually got me to be financially free now became my weakness because I went from having more than enough passive income and cash flow to cover my expenses to now I'm 16,000 short every month between my business and my personal expenses. And, uh, and I went over a million dollars in debt. I didn't file for bankruptcy, but I had to dig my way back out of that hole. And slowly but surely with no money, no credit, was able to dig, claw my way back out really. And, uh, and by you know later, 2016, I was able to retire. Again, you know, be financially independent, this time much wiser, right? Um, and I'll tell you that the biggest lesson I learned was cash flow is everything. I mean, really make sure you have multiple streams of passive income coming in because you never know, especially in this day and age, what's going to happen to your business. You never know what's going to happen in the markets necessarily. You know, you can always pivot and you can move. And, and, and we've had to do that in the last few years already. But I'll tell you, the biggest thing for me was really having cash reserves, making sure I had plenty of that on hand, not just relying on credit as that cash reserves. And then also making sure to have multiple streams of passive income coming in because, you know, if you get labeled as a non-essential business in, in today's world, right, you can get shut down. And we've seen that. We've even seen people that are military and nurses and doctors become non-essential because of decisions they make. So what makes you safe, even as an entrepreneur, even as an investor, you still have to be careful. And, and that's why, you know, I'm big, huge proponent on having those multiple streams of passive income beyond your active real estate business. So when you were reviewing these new opportunities after the, after the downfall, like what, mm -hmm. what, what changed there? How did you, what, what were your investment investments looking like in regards to, you know, you, you made, you had to have made a pretty big shift then to make sure that if that passive income was helping you dig out of this hole. You know, I was really just focusing on driving active income for a while, you know, just trying to dig out of that debt because I didn't file for bankruptcy. So I had to pay that debt back, right. Or negotiate mm -hmm. it. And uh, it was hard. You know, I, I remember I lost my house to foreclosure. Uh, I tried to short sale it, but now uh, there's a small bank called Lehman Brothers that wouldn't allow me to short sell and only let me foreclose. That was awesome. Even after we had offers and, uh, you know, so I had to, you know, figure out ways to do that. I turned in my Mercedes, turned in the keys. And then the collection company called back, says, hey, you owe us 30,000 bucks for for the, uh, the auction, you know, the negative balance that you have. What are you going to do? Can you pay us 1200 bucks a month? I said, if I could have paid you 1200 a month, I would have kept paying my payments. You know, so, hmm. you know, it was it was it was a rough time. You know, I had collector calls calling. Uh, multiple times a day, you know, just here and there and everywhere. And so I had, it was really more of a psychological game than it was a strategic game, right? Because if anything, there was days where I felt like I want to, you know, curl in a quarter and pee all over myself, right? It was just, it was a hard time. And I had to figure out really just how to start generating income. And so I went down the core principles of what creates money. And then this is true with any business, right? Is it really comes down to, how do you create the most value you can for people? You know, how can you serve people, solve problems, or add value in a way that money is just a natural byproduct? And, and especially during the last recession, there were so many problems prevalent, just like there are now. People complain and whine about different stuff. Your big question, your real big question or answer to that question would be, how do I solve those problems? How do I show up in a way to serve and add value that money is just natural natural byproduct, right? It's just the natural receipt of services that you get. And that's what I really started doing. And then as I started really dig out of that hole, start pay off a lot of those debts, 
Then I started adding more things like passive income. Um, I stopped the active stuff. Uh, I, I realized I'm a crappy property manager. So, you know, some of the first investments I did was buy turnkey real estate. You know, I, I had somebody else manage the property. I just bought it. I said, give me that 12% plus cash and cash return. And whatever I make on the appreciation growth, I'd buy it with leverage. Once I got my credit built back enough to even get a mortgage, yeah, I was able to do that again. And, uh, you know, and I started doing even small things like little funds or syndications and things like that. Put money in other places, you know, things that I didn't create deal wise, but put my money with people that were doing those things. And, uh, you know, I've even got now partnerships in like raw land and, you know, we're investing, making like, you know, pretty much triple digit returns on that right now per year and, and those kind of things. So, it really got focused on around really trying to create that diversity of income streams coming in and definitely most of it's real estate, but I even got some things in like you know, oil and gas, you know, minerals mm. and things like that. So it's always about really how to keep generating that, create other streams of income throughout my own businesses as well, so that there's multiple streams there and multiple streams outside of it. And I'll tell you, it's so much more peace doing that. Once I built those in one by one, I didn't do it all at once. Obviously it took, years of building them all in. But as I started to get that well-rounded approach, that created much greater financial health for myself. Sure. Well, you know, you, before we hit record, you even talked about uh, regarding m maximizing your return on investment. And and you, we infinite banking has become kind of a buzzword in our industry, but you kind of have a different mm -hmm. take on that too, right? I do. Yeah. It, I mean, a lot of the infinite banker guys, you know, as Dave Ramsey would say, bless their hearts, right? I mean, they're doing, they're doing good work, but they're just not doing the best work. And, and I learned this too, because I've been in insurance license for 20 years and I've seen that evolution in the industry. And I bought one of those traditional infinite banking policies before the last recession. The problem was that they weren't cash rich enough so that when crap hit the fan and I couldn't keep making premium payments, I lost it all. I, I spent 25 grand in those life insurance policies to only lose it during the recession. That was like the most expensive, crappiest term I could have ever bought, if you really think about it, right? And, and I think I'm not alone, like with other investors that, that feel like, okay, there's a lot of these costs, but I could just go and invest and make more money. What I have discovered over the last several years and kind of what pulled me out of, out of retirement the second time uh, there's actually another podcaster. He had his own followers and he said, Chris, like what you taught me to do and how to like really get that max ROI on these things. That's, that's been a huge difference. You need to teach my people. And so I said, all right, if it's no more than five, 10 hours a week. I'll do it. And so I did. And I got really passionate about it because for example, most of the time you see infinite bankers that first year you put money in, you might have 50% of the money you've, you've got in cash that you can actually use as a savings account. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe 75% if you're lucky. The way I've learned to design them to get the, the lowest cost, the highest ROI possible, you can actually get at least 80% of your money in the first year from day one that you can then leverage and utilize. And by year five, have as much money as what you've paid into it. Not year seven, not year 17, as some of them will do. You can do as early as five years, have all the money you've paid into it to where it's really like a tax-free supercharged savings account. But what's better? Uh, and this is what you don't want to do. A lot of infinite bankers out there, they're, they're all insurance salesmen a lot of times, right? They'll tell you things like this is supplemental retirement and someday tax-free money like a Roth IRA, which yeah. is true. The problem is they'll tell you like you'll pay yourself back and all this kind of crap, but you know, do not pay off your cars. Do not pay off your houses with this money because the truth is when you borrow from those policies, right? You get a line of credit against it. It's just a secured collateralized line of credit that you get, whether it's from the insurance company or from a bank, when you get a line of credit against it, what happens a lot of times the interest rate might be higher than what you're paying out a car loan or, or a mortgage. 
So my philosophy as an investor, because I'm an investor first and foremost, is maximize the banks as much as you can. Get that cheap money. Get those low interest rate mortgages. Get those low interest rate car loans, whatever you want to get. Do not use your, your life insurance to pay for those things. But instead, if you're going to be having to put down a down payment or you need quick cash to be able to use and flip and save yourself all the points and, and spreads and everything else, you've got to pay it everybody, all the other investors. You want to make more money that way. This could be a great alternative. You know, the great thing is I can get a line of credit right now against my life insurance for 3%. I mean, 3% is dirt cheap, right? Um, and, uh, but I'll use that instead as like for my down payment and buying a property or to invest in a syndication. Or like I said, if you're actively flipping and doing things like that, great. Then you can use this money to help give you that cash right now. You pay 3% a year. You know, if you only need it for 90 days, yeah, you just got charged 0.75%. Here's the cool part though is that even though you're being charged 3%, it's so like getting a HELOC, right? The difference is you're also getting paid like 5% on this money. So you're getting the spread already of at least 2% and you're making all the returns on your real estate at the same time. So what happens rather than just using your savings account, which is what most people do, they just move money in and out of savings. Yeah, you don't pay interest, but you don't earn any interest on that money that you just pulled out. But here, you don't pull money out of your life insurance. It's all there, growing compounding tax-free by the way, in most states, 100% protected from lawsuits and creditors. So you can access this money from a line of credit instead, paying 3% while you're making five tax-free. So what ends up happening, and that's not just a 2% spread. That's really like a 40% return on your money based on the interest you're paying. You're doing the exact same thing a bank does when they borrow your money and pay you a crappy return in that savings account and then turn around and use it to loan it out to somebody else. You're just doing the same exact strategy, but now you're earning money in two places at the same time because you're actually investing the money versus just making money off the loan. Yeah, that's that's a particularly interesting. I mean, and and I think there's a lot of questions you probably should ask you should ask someone who's pitching this infinite banking concept to mm -hmm. to you as well, right? Or do you have a few that's questions right. that you think that a person should probably ask? Well, yeah, first and foremost, uh, one one sales strategy that I, I think is horrible is is really just show me the numbers right like i want i want to see the numbers up front some guys will tell you once you apply for the policy then we'll show you numbers you know when, when i have my guys run the numbers they run it right then and there with you on zoom real time before you try anything you know just to see it and strategize it so you kind of know what you're doing before you even apply so ask for numbers up front and in fact if you ever have a question you can always email our team and say hey here's numbers i got from this company what do you guys think and so you can compare because the hard thing is, it's not about the insurance company, although there's our insurance companies that make it easier. It's really about how the insurance agent designs it. The design is everything, the cost design. It doesn't matter about dividends. It doesn't matter about loan rates as much. I mean, all that stuff is kind of negligible for the most part. It's always about how low can we get those costs while keeping it tax-free. That's the real, the real factor. So I think that's number one. Number two, I would also say is, is if they say, yeah, you pay yourself back. Ask them to clarify on that because the truth is you're not paying yourself back. You know, what they're trying to say is, you know, rather than using your savings account, right? You use, you get a lot of credit from the insurance company to borrow from them to then go and pay for that car or pay for that house. Especially if they're telling you, yeah, you can pay for your cars, your houses that way. We'll say, well, so, uh, so really I'm just paying interest to myself, right? If they say yes, that is 100% false. 100%. You never pay interest to yourself. You are paying interest to the bank, to that credit, you know, to that, that line of credit, right? Whether it's the insurance company, the insurance company still acts as the bank, 
you're paying interest to them. What they're saying really is you're paying more than interest only. So as you pay some of that principal, it pays down that line of credit. Just like if you paid a HELOC, paid more than the interest only payment, you pay it down. That's true. And yes, the insurance company pays you, but you do not technically pay yourself. They're just paying you returns on all that money in there while you're just paying down the line of credit. So, you know, really just ask them for clarification. You know, ask them. I think this is a great question to ask is, hey, you know, do you invest? You know, what, what do you do? And, you know, it's hard to find somebody who actually has more investor mindset where they're just insurance salespeople, right? That, that drives me nuts. And, and yeah, I've got guys on my team that aren't financially independent yet, uh, but they're in that process, right? I've, like, I've been financially independent, like I said, twice. Um, it's a very different perspective of how we go about teaching it versus just doing that same thing. Oh, here's another thing. If you've got a good lump sum of cash, which a lot of my investor friends do, if you've got a big lump sum of cash, what I would say is this, is do not put all that cash in the policy up front. So if you get a, an agent that says, hey, well, you want to jump in 150, 200, 300 grand in here, do it. And then we'll put this minimum premium down below. Very big strategy that I know a lot of those infant banker guys love. Why? Because they get paid the commission off that big upfront chunk, right? Which raises your minimum required premiums and everything else. So I would recommend against that usually. And I would say 99% of the time, I usually recommend people break up those payments even over a couple of years or just put some money in, invest the rest, get that money to work for you. So all that passive income can pay those other premiums. So you can start cycling that money through and reinvesting it back out and creating this income snowball, they call it, right? Um, yeah, it pays the insurance agent less, which pisses them off. But uh, the truth is you make a higher ROI as a result, where if you just do that big upfront, you raise up that death benefit, increasing all your costs, jacking it up, and you end up losing a lot more money than you probably should. No, this has been this has been great. And I know it's been kind of rapid fire here, but uh, if you'd like more information about what Chris and his team are working on, I would really recommend you check out his podcast because Chris has quite a few episodes and, and there's a lot of content there that kind of deep dives into this. So look for the Chris Miles Money Show on your favorite podcast app. But uh, easiest way is going to moneyripples.com. And then, like I said, I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. So go to reimastermind.net for that information. Chris, uh, I really appreciate your time. I hope you'll come back again sometime so that we can kind of do a deeper dive on a few of these concepts. Yeah, I'd love to, JD. Appreciate that. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.